0: you could listen to that Liberty Church experience in the past weekend? Now you can. Liberty has full weekly Liberty experience online through our Liberty Church app and our So whether you're at home, your office, or on the road, you have access. To so get the Liberty Church app, simply download the My Church app, and once downloaded, search Liberty Church in Omaha, Nebraska. You can use the app during our weekly service or during the week to take notes Read the Bible, partner with us financially, see a calendar of events, and more. Need prayer? We have volunteers ready to pray for you. Simply fill out a prayer test form on the Liberty Church app or email us at prayer at libertyofomaha.com.
1: Hallelujah. Well, let's just go ahead and lift our voice to God for a moment, all right? Father in heaven, we love you. Lord God, I thank you for these people, for the joy that they bring, uh, their pastors. Lord God, being here, being so faithful. We thank you, Lord, for what's ahead for this church. We Thank you, Lord, for the building that you've supplied. Lord, how that'll so wonderfully service the community and those that are around Lord, I thank you for all that you're going to do this morning. Open our hearts and minds. Help us to see what we don't see and uh, learn, Lord God, things that we haven't as yet. Now, Lord God, I thank you that Jesus Christ and with his stripes has released us from all sickness and all disease. I give you praise that there need not be any pain, sickness, disease left in this room by the time we're done today. And we'll give you praise and glory for it, and we'll lift up the name of the Lord. In your precious name, amen. 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 Well, why don't you take your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 1. It's a good place to start. It's the very first verse. While you're turning there, I'll just let you know we, we uh, have some things that are starting to get ready to be produced. In fact, I, I actually wrote a book. I, I forgot about it. I wrote it probably back about 10 years ago, and um, my mom found it in an email and sent it to me, and I read it, and I thought, wow, that's actually pretty good. And uh, almost thought to myself, I didn't know I knew that. you know." And so uh, we're going to put that out. It's called Identity Crisis. It'll be a real uh, smaller book than some of the ones we have, probably only maybe just at uh, 80 pages or so, and very easy to read, probably about a two-hour read, but just help you to find out what you really are in God's eyes and how you can relate to yourself by seeing how God relates to you. Amen. That has a big difference in in, uh, how you do life. If uh, you continue to do life according to your flesh, well, then that's pretty much what you're going to get, the answers that your flesh can give you. But when you see yourself as a spirit connected to God, things change. Amen. How many of you believe that when God gets in your equation, he'll always change the equation? I wholeheartedly believe that. And uh, we have a whole book uh, that we can read from cover to cover that gives us um, the precedent to believe if God is involved in your life, things are going to actually change. Amen. We used to sing as as good Baptists, you know, all, all those years, you know, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. And there were many choruses and thoughts that went with that as well. But you know, even back then, uh, and we didn't believe really in things happening Uh, on purpose, it was always by accident, you know, in our church, but still we believed in change. And today, I think there's, and this is what I really want to address this morning, I I think we really need to challenge ourselves because too often people come and they leave the same. And there ought to be change. If God is involved in what we're doing, there ought to be change. Amen. Amen. Now, as a blanket statement, I'm going to say this and, and, and you know, it doesn't mean I'm saying it at you. I'm saying it for you. But in general, people don't want to change. They really do want to just be left alone. But they, if you asked them, they would for sure really enjoy it if their life could be a little better. And on every scale, you miss God. Don't want to change, want to be left alone, little better. There's nothing about any of that that actually is godly. And so if this is what we fight, then then it's time to fight. Fight against the patterns, the habits, the routines, the way that our life has been, and challenge ourselves to open our heart to more of God. God really wants us to think big. That's why Paul said, Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. He wants you to think big. He wants you to ask big because he wants you to experience him big. Amen. Can anybody say big this morning? Big. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Uh, It's just really a challenge for all of us. Uh, The world does us no service. They're not helping us to find God. The way of life that that it is accepted in America, in other words, if you didn't have something from the scriptures to show you there's another way to see things, there's another way to believe, the way that life gives you your patterns is not going to help you to find God. So everything about our life then has to be a challenge to the world that we know so that we can find the world that we don't know, and that's God. Amen. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I wouldn't want anybody to have to do it and not really mean it, but I trust with all my heart that everyone in this room, you want more of God in your life. You want to see your life literally changed by God. You want him in your marriage, you want him in your children, you want him in your parental uh, guidance and the things that you do. You want him on your workplace. You want him just when times are good. You want him when times are bad. You'd like to hear his voice more often so that you're confident you're actually hearing him. I know that that has really stirred some things in, 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 in poor little Hollywood. <laughs> that a vice president could actually get up and declare that I not only talk to God, but he talks to me. And I guess now it's called mental health. You know, mental, <laughs> mental illness. Well, bless their darling hearts and stupid heads. Amen. You know, you think about it. We got a whole book where God talks to people. And he hasn't stopped talking yet. Amen. I'd like to hear his voice more. You'd like to hear his voice more. I'd like to recognize that he's with me more. Not just have the idea in my mind. I, I, he, I, he's I, don't know. I don't really know if he's with me. No, I'd really like to know. And I'm trusting every one of you here this morning that down deep in your heart, that's your desire. Amen. So everything we study are songs that we sing those little sheets that you have that you can get with confessions on them that just continue to put God's word and his seed in your heart, all of that is not within itself the end. The end game is experiencing a person because the moment you begin to experience a person, you'll realize that everything you do to experience him is such a wonderful blessing so that you can have him. Can you say amen to that? Well, we do have a couple things back there. We'll get that book out here probably in the next uh, few months, probably within at least a couple months. It'll be a real fun book to get. Uh, Go Beyond Yourself right here. This is I went down to the Copeland Ministry and did some teaching to the healing text down there, and uh, it turned out to be really good, so there's a DVD of that. Uh, Hungry for Progress is another uh, new CD. So we have a few things that are new back there. If you're new to this uh, uh, church, we, we, uh, I encourage you as someone from the outside, uh, keep coming back. Amen. Um, it's going to be really fun for everybody involved. To, the whole atmosphere will change in six weeks as you get into your own place. There's something about going home and feeling like you can be more yourself than being somewhere else, you know. So you're going to really, really enjoy that and encourage right. you to, to invite people, get people out. Amen. Fill up the whole building on the first Sunday. Amen. 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 And then go into overflow on the second. All right, praise the Lord. Trust I'm giving you some bigger thoughts. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 4. So what we're going to talk about this morning is the word tangibility. This may be a word some people may think, well, I didn't know that, you know, you're actually supposed to be able to have, God was supposed to be tangible, just like um, the ignorance that was shown by some of the uh, ladies on that program that seemed to imply that God can't speak to you, you know. I'm not calling them ignorant. I'm calling ignorance to the subject. Amen. Which, which the Bible says, you know, don't talk about something that you don't know or, or you're labeled a fool. Amen. So it's foolish to talk about something they don't know. All right. So um, people don't recognize anymore that God should be real to you. And even in the church world, we don't recognize anymore that God should be real to us. We, we uh, enjoy, in fact, I was just at a conference um, where it was a greater faith conference, and as far as the teaching was concerned, what I would consider the majority of it was just wonderful, wonderful teaching, but that's all it was. Oh, over a thousand people came, and there was a tremendous electric atmosphere, and people came and listened and just marveled that there was something said that they hadn't heard before that just made them feel like, wow, that's awesome. And then they left without seeing that God was actually there for the purpose of meeting all the needs of the people that were in that place. So what actually did they get taught? Remember, you'll always learn the negative easier than you will the positive. And there's a reason for that. We're surrounded by the negative. If you were surrounded by the positive and everybody's believing God and every time they believe God, they got an answer. Every time they prayed, it showed up. And you're surrounded by that then you're going to, just by osmosis, you're going to have an easier time believing in the positive than you do the negative. But the reverse is true for us. We're living in a very, very negative world. And in the church world today, if you were to listen to some of the conversations of people in between take five minutes and greet people around the country today, as people have done that, thousands and thousands of church took five minutes uh, after the announcements to tell people to have a seat and just greet someone around you. If we were to hear the conversations in those thousands and thousands of churches, you would hear things like, "How you doing?" Well, got, I'm on another medication now. <laughs> well, how are you doing today? Well, I'm not doing really good, you know. So and so is sick. Well, how are things going? Well, I'll tell you what, the family's doing really bad. I mean, you know, the young one, he he's now just really rebelling. And 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 I tell you what, well, I got a doctor's appointment. Well, I'm hurting worse today. Well, I'm just a trusting and a, a believing. God might do something this morning. It's sad. You might as well just go ahead and and say, it's like Eeyore. You know, it's a beautiful sunny day. How you doing, Eeyore? Well, it's going to rain, I'm sure. (laughs) You know, and this is what's going on in our churches, which shows you the level of what we believe about God's involvement in our life. And I don't mind saying this is something that I've said for years and years, and now it seems more appropriate than ever, which is a statement that goes like this. People are still excited about faith, as long as they don't have to use theirs. <laughs> and what do we mean by that? Well, it's pretty simple. You know that it's still real, you just don't have any ability to trust your own. And that's really so sad, because we're supposed to be progressing in this relationship. You know, my wife and I are very, very different people. I don't know if anybody in this room, you have a marriage where your spouse is a very different person. But my wife is very different. What I can't do, she can do it amazingly well. What she can't do, I actually can do it very well. We see things different. That's why sometimes we have to sit down and talk about some of the things (laughs) that we see because she sees it from this angle and I see it from this angle. But as, as different as we are, You know, after 26 years, I mean, it wasn't just a couple days ago, and here I'm singing a song in one part of the house, and she has no ability to hear me, and I walk back, and she's singing it in the other part of the house. And I'm thinking, "We're we're on the same wavelength. I mean we see it from different perspectives, but after twenty-six years we're growing together, we're actually starting to think alike. That's kind of scary. I don't know for her or for me, but we're we're starting to think alike. Isn't that interesting? But you know what? Anybody that's had a marriage long enough where you've experienced a little bit of that, you're not surprised because that's what happens when you begin to progress and you begin to grow together. You start to think alike. You start to see things more alike. Amen. Your your differences start to become more of commonality where you begin to have uh, similarities. Praise the Lord. This is what should be happening with our Savior in our life. We're growing together. We're starting to think like Him. We we actually act like Him. We're getting results just like Him. Amen. So in the first chapter here of the the first book of the Bible that we have record of, it starts off by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And and when you see, especially in this this, uh, first chapter here, when it says the word God, it means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. All three of them were involved. In fact, nothing has ever been created by one of the personality of God. It's not. They all have their position to work together. Amen. So when it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that means in the beginning, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost created the heavens and the earth. In the next verse, it says, the earth was without form and void. So it shows you the condition, nothingness. So God's going to take out of nothing and make something. Amen. I love that. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're not nothing. So if you need a result today in your body, well, you're not starting from this position. You're a whole lot further ahead than right here. And if God could make it lickety-split right here, then you should be in a real good position today to receive freedom from that cancerous tumor have it just disappear. Amen. To have your lungs work like they ought to work. Praise the Lord. Get rid of pain left and right in this room. Amen. Cause your blood to be perfect in every way. Amen. Drive out disease. Drive out sickness. Praise the Lord. That ought to be simple today. You're at a whole lot better level than the world was empty and void. You're not empty and you're not void. Now, I know sometimes you might actually act like you're empty and void up here. I have those moments myself. I've always blamed it on my blonde hair. Amen. You know, it just gets the best of me at times. And I'm looking around and there are a few blondes in here. I'm sure it's not that way with you. But with me, I have my moments. All right. Empty and void. But no, we're we're starting out a whole lot better than what God is right here. So look at what it says. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So without going any further, let me just ask you a very simple question. I just gave it away right here. Here's the answer. Who's the first individual personality of God? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Who's the first individual personality of God mentioned in the Scriptures? The Holy Spirit. Now, if you're like me, typically, I would always think the Father's on the top, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. So if I would have thought there would have been in other words, without having known anything, if somebody said, who do you think the first individual personality would be that would be mentioned? I'd say, well, of course, the Father. As far as priority, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear my Father say it. So Jesus is doing what? He's submitting to the the father so isn't it interesting that the first person mentioned is the Holy Spirit now there's a revelation right here that you can use for the rest of your life and the first thing that I want to say about this is over in John chapter 16 we won't turn there but 7 and 8 Jesus said it is to your advantage that I physically leave well come on now look at all the miracles that Jesus did look at all the signs and the wonders that Jesus did People reached out and touched the hem of his garment, not even him, just the hem of his garment, and they felt power come out of him and go into their bodies and release them from all their sickness and disease. You'd say, Jesus, don't leave. we, We need you here. And today, with modern technology, I mean, he could be on some other part of the world, and someone's got their phone out, and we could be, what, live streaming it and see it right here today. So we could keep track of him wherever he was. And yet he said, it's better that I go Why? Because when I go, my Father's going to send someone. And notice who the Father sent. Can you tell me? The Holy Spirit. So the first person mentioned is the Holy Spirit. The person that we're left with on this earth is the Holy Spirit. Well, my goodness. Seems to me, if I could put two and two together, what I'm going to find out about what he's doing right here and how he takes nothing and makes something ought to then work in my life because he's the same person, not only here, but when you accept Christ, he's the person that comes and lives inside your heart. Christ comes to live in you the hope of his glory. In other words, now you get to fellowship and use the glory. All right, so let's see what he does. It says he was hovering over the face of the waters. Well, real simple, the word hover means to incubate. And out here in, uh, you know, maybe not in New York City, but especially out here in Omaha, out here in the Midwest, you all know what incubation means, don't you? Amen. Why does a hen sit on on the eggs? Huh? Keep them warm so that something can happen. What's going to happen? It's going to hatch. What's going to come out? A yoke? No, no, a little chick. Amen? Isn't that right? I mean, the whole purpose of that hen sitting on those eggs is to bring out life. In a sense, you could say to manifest life. So what's the purpose of the Holy Ghost hanging out? In a sense, you could say warming up, incubating the world of nothingness. Because God's getting ready to turn nothing into something. Which shows me a couple things. He needs the work of the Holy Ghost to make it happen. And for so long, we've not talked about the Holy Spirit. In the church I grew up in, we didn't talk a lot about Him. And yet, Jesus said He's the one that gives you the advantage. The beginning scripture right here as God creates, he's the factor that actually causes it to work. Come on, what good is it to have a plan? What good is it to talk about your plan if the plan never gets put into what? Operation. It never succeeds. Do you know how many people have had good ideas? Do you know how many people with those good ideas have told other people about their good idea? And do you know how many good ideas have never made it into production? I'm telling you there are inventions I mean there are millions of inventions that could be and should be but aren't happening does that make sense why because we got a great idea we talk about the idea but no one ever makes it happen so do you know God would be no different he could he could have a great idea he could talk about the great idea but if you don't have it into production nothing is ever visualized come on the scriptures tell us over in hebrews that he made something or in other words that was which is visible out of that which is invisible and who's the component that caused all that to happen and that is the holy ghost He's hovering over the face of the waters. What is he doing hovering? He's warming it up. What's he expecting to happen? He's expecting words to be spoken that he can take and manifest or create with. Is anybody getting this this morning? You say, why is this important? Well, number one, it's the first revelation that's in the scriptures. I mean, I would just by, you know, just by, by, uh, (laughs) a random search of scriptures think that ought to be important. But number two, it's because if you're going to see change in your body, it's going to be how you fellowship with the Holy Ghost. It's going to have to do with whether or not you have confidence that he's actually with you. Because remember now, this whole thing about Christianity is not about having a form of religion. It's not about how many scriptures you can quote. It's about the God that you know of the scriptures. It's about your confident level In the unseen world and the one to bridge that world is the Holy Ghost he actually came to live inside of your physical body to live inside of your spirit and he is there with all the power of heaven itself to do what to bring life to you to bring health to you to bring change into your life how's the rest of the world gonna see that Jesus is alive if it just becomes a myth after a thousand or two thousand years unless it actually happens that in our lives we have testimonies. Huh? What's the testimony to someone that looks that, that's sick, they get healed? What's the testimony to someone that can't pay their bills? They have a financial reward. Amen? And those two areas right there are the biggest problems that this world has today: finances and health. That's where all the money of the world goes. It's for finances and health. And if you as a believer start allowing the Holy Ghost to help you financially and heal your body, you'll begin to have testimonies that will speak to the rest of the world. They're gonna find, they're gonna ask you questions. Okay, I, I knew your financial situation, but how come you're, you're prospering like you are now? What has happened? And you can tell them what has happened. I knew how sick you were. The doctor said there was no more chance for you to live, and here you are living. It looks like you're healthier than you've ever been. How did that happen? That will speak volumes. We're trying to give someone a scripture and preach to them might go right out over their head and in one ear, not the other. But when you show somebody a testimony, that will speak volumes. Well, the original testimony is God took out of nothing and made something. And this hard copy that we're walking on, this planet we're walking on, and all that we see on this planet is a direct result of the fact that Jesus said in verse 3, Let light be, and light was. And it only occurred because the Holy Ghost was already there warming things up. So let me say something to you. I'm trying my best with my, especially my youngest. She is the one that we have to work on a little bit more than the others. Well, actually a lot more. But anyhow, I'm trying to help her with the idea of promptness, being on time. Okay? And so it's sad, but I actually had a little job that I have for her I've had to threaten her with. I'm taking the job away. And that's her only means of any money at this particular point while she's in her senior year. And so all of a sudden, she's starting to conform. But I'm trying to help her with the idea that when we want you down at the very latest at 725, 725 is not being really on time because you're that much closer to 7.25 and one second, where now you lose your job. She came down at 7.26, and and she said, uh, it's only the first time, I was only a minute late, and I said, okay, that's one strike against you, and the very next time, you lose your job. I said, if you want to know why I'm being so hard on you, it's because your whole entire life you've rebelled against the idea of what your mother and I have said as far as an, an adequate time for you to be ready. And you've pushed the family clock the whole, your whole life. And if you're going you're gonna to have jobs, you better learn this. Otherwise, you'll be fired constantly because you're late. So I, I told her the other day, I said, so you've, you've missed one miss. I said, so let me show you how for the rest of this, this school year, you don't have to lose your job. Consider that 720 is the latest that you can be down, and then you're early for your 7.25 deadline. And if something happens, and it's 7.22 or 23, you're still early. Because back in my day, early, or excuse me, on time was when you were there 10 to 15 minutes early, so that the moment the clock struck 8, you're already engaged in your job. You're not just getting there saying, I made it, I made it. Well, it takes you another 10 minutes to get yourself ready. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? On time was always early, not just on the moment. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit gets this. This principle because before God ever said light be where was he he was already there he was already working and he was already making provision for what would be spoken ahead of time does that help anybody I heard a guy last night you know and he's doing a great job with producing miracles which is awesome but, you know, he needed a little help in this one particular area. He said, you know, you can't, we can't control the manifestation. That's up to God. You know, when it happens or when it doesn't happen, that's just up to God. Well, I greatly dis- disagree with that. Because the manifestation is the Holy Ghost. And where is he? He's showing you a principle here. What he was like here, he's always going to be like. This is why it's a revelation. In your life, when you need God, you can, you can bank on the fact he's already been there, knowing what you need before you need it. Are there any other scriptures that talk like that? Well, even Jesus made that comment. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you pray. What's he trying to say? He's already ahead a step, a step ahead of you. You don't have to wait on him. That's the reason why faith is now. Because if the Holy Ghost has already been there, then your now faith will be met by him who has prepared the way. Well, what would happen if it didn't work? He's already there. Yeah, but what's he doing? Is he just, you know, out for lunch? Is he just kind of, you know, lallygagging? No, no, no. We have scripture to back up that he's working. What does his work look like? He's warming things up. He knows what you're going to need. He knows what you're going to believe. He knows how you're going to take a step of faith before you ever take it. So he already has that step covered. Let's just say it like this. God doesn't exist by Father Time. Father Time only exists because of God. God's the one that inhabits eternity. Eternity and all the time frames exist around Him. So, what does that help you to know? God's future, even though to us our future is unknown, God's future is just as known as our past. I've been there, I've done that, I got the t shirt, I know that so well. Well, God's already been there, done that, got the t shirt for something you've never experienced yet. Amen. Amen. So the idea that God's all frantic up in heaven going, I got so many calls today, everybody, I can't handle any more business, and he's running around like a chicken with its head cut off because he's not very organized, that is a wrong conception of God. God sees it all knows it all, has already planned for it all, and if that's not good enough, he sent you a guy that likes to warm things up. Amen. That likes to prepare things for your words, to say, I'm not going to die, but I am going to, bam, the Holy Ghost is in there. In what? In that word. God loves for you to say, I tell you what, I'm not sitting here any longer, I don't care if I have pain, I'm going to work, and in your first step, the Holy Ghost is with you. Amen. People say all the time, well, I believe I'm well. I say, you're back at work? Well, well oh, i you know, I, I, no, I haven't gone back to work. Well, I guess you don't believe you're well. Well, what, what do you mean? I said, you just said you believe you're well. Think back to the days when you were well. Did you go to work? Well, of course, because I was well. Well, you just said you believed you're well. Why aren't you back at work? Which shows what? It shows the fallacy of what we call belief today. When people say they believe today, it just means they agree with the idea that something might happen in the future. They don't actually believe anything's going to happen right now. Come on, we don't treat one another that way. Why would we treat God that way? Amen? You know, I mean, you think about it. I mean, we treat one another so well. Pastor says, when are you going to arrive? It's around 3.30. And he actually got there early. Where were they? I had to knock on the door a couple times, you know. But, but um, they were in the house, prepared for me to show up. Why? Out of respect. How, how, how respectful would it have been if, you know, if 4.30 rolled around and I'm still sitting on the front porch, wondering where in the world they are? Because they didn't what? They didn't respect my word. How respectful would it have been to not tell them and show up three hours later when they're all ready for me to be there at 3.30? See, we don't even do one another like that, but we do God like that all the time. He says, you can count on me because I've already healed you and set you free. Yeah, well, I'll believe that when I see it. Well, that may not come out of your mouth, but actually the way that we actually do life, that's still what we're saying. We can only actually perform life when we see it. But God says believing is seeing. Well, it got real quiet in this Presbyterian church right here. Amen. (laughs) Huh? 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 See, you start talking like this, all of a sudden everybody gets quiet because this is how we've allowed ourselves to slip. We've slipped back into what? Just good old, good old doubt and unbelief. And I'm bringing some verses of Scripture like this to you this morning to give you a shot in the arm as to the reason why. See, if if you're not confident, if you're of the persuasion, Brother Jim, if you prayed for me, I know I'll be healed, but if I prayed for myself, I'm not really sure. See, you know, I believe in faith as long as I don't have to use mine. If that's where we might be. Well, first of all, if that's where you are, God, there's no condemnation. God wants to bring you up out of that until you're so confident within your own relationship that you can pray any prayer you want to, and bam, you're, you're walking in that wonderful presence. Amen? But I'm giving you a scriptures like this and a message like this because if you're in a place where you're not very actively, uh, progressively experiencing God, there has to be something from the Bible that's going to change your mind. I can't just tell you to step out beyond yourself and experience him if everything inside of you and and the way that you see life, your perspective is, when I do that, I'm going to die. Unless I give you something that's gonna override that and tell you, I don't care if it looks like I'm gonna die. I know what the Holy Ghost is doing right now, and I know that He's so faithful to the Word that just like when Jesus said, Light be, boom, it was, that if I say, Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed through the stripes of Jesus, here I go. I won't fall, I won't die, I won't get worse. It won't be a tragedy. It's only going to be a blessing and a testimony of health and healing, and every step I take, the stronger I get, the healthier I am. In other words, what gives me the idea of defying the obvious to the physical eyes unless I have something to support my heart that knows more than my eyes do? Paul said, don't look at the things what you see. Look at the things what you don't see. What does that mean? Well, there's a greater world in the unseen world than there is in the seen one. And this is the glory of God, God's presence. Amen. That was here first. What we have come to believe is so tangible is just really a very passing world that has little tangibility compared to God. Look over, if you will, That's some more scriptures, the third chapter of Genesis, real quickly. Is everybody doing okay? It's 11.09. Amen. Everybody should be hunkered down for at least another 10 or 15 minutes. No problem. Right? Amen. There's some healings that are going to take place here this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you're not going to move, we're going to drag you around the room until you do move. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) <laughs> amen, you, you, you laugh at that, but you don't know how serious I am, no, <laughs> we've seen some wonderful things dragging people, amen, uh, if I'm scaring you, don't be scared, amen, we'll be really nice and, and minister to you, but God wants you well, over here in Genesis 3, 7 through 11, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Well, let me ask you a question. Why would they make themselves coverings? Why would that be the priority? Or in other words, let me say it coming from a different perspective. The fact that when they sinned, now they they beheld their nakedness. So does that seem to indicate that maybe they weren't naked before they sinned? And maybe the fact that they so quickly tried to cover up is because coverings is something that they were used to having. And now you go over to the Apostle Paul and his, his revelation there in 2 Corinthians 5, and you see that Paul said, I'm groaning. Well, anytime someone groans, you know something must be wrong, right? I mean, people just don't go, uh Oh, uh, and, and, and everything. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing awesome. Oh, uh, oh. Uh, no, no, no. Some, something's wrong, right? Something's wrong. So Paul was groaning. And someone asked him, why are you groaning? He said, "Ah, oh, I'm groaning because, well, to get this, so you don't take this wrong. I'm not trying to take my clothes off. And everybody goes, thank you, Paul. We don't, we don't want you to take your clothes off. He said, well, actually, I want to be further clothed with my heavenly clothing until I get so full of God that my flesh is no longer the priority. And the way that he said it was, until my mortality, the part of me that is death doomed, gets so immersed, like dunked, okay, in the sea of immortality that I start submitting 100% to the person on the inside instead of the flesh on the outside. Well, Paul used that reference of clothing, heavenly clothing. Well, is it possible that Adam and Eve actually had some clothing? And when they sinned, they lost that clothing, and then uh, then they saw themselves just by the flesh. And then embarrassed as they were, they went and put something over their flesh to try to cover back up. So we have a problem with tangibility right here, don't we? In other words, this is the beginning of man using the tangibility of this world instead of the tangibility of heaven. This is where man exchanged the glory for fig leaves. And God stepped them up a little bit and gave them leather. I like that God's into leather. Amen, I like leather. Amen, amen. What do you mean leather? Well, you know, he he made a sacrifice of an animal, made them some skins, some clothing out out of leather. I like that. But this is where everything went south. The wheels came off right here. And forevermore now, man has been concerned about the tangibility of the flesh world, where that was something that God always took care of. See, when man was connected to God, did he he have to work for food? No, no, no. Did he he have to uh, do certain things to make sure that his body stayed healthy? No. Why? Because as long as he was connected to God, that connection kept his body healthy. It gave provision to him. It caused his surroundings to be perfect in every way. I mean, actually an amazing life. I mean, if you think about it, the Garden of Eden is a paradise. And if you use your mind today to think of paradise, you usually think about, you know, a a, a beach and palm trees. You usually think about something that has a perfect temperature, you know, where you can walk around in just a a, a bathing suit or shorts, you know, and just a a, a light T-shirt and feel like... This is amazing instead of Omaha. <laughs> and yes, I brought this weather with me, so praise the Lord, you know. <laughs> Amen. That's the only thing I'll take credit for today. <laughs> well, that's what we think of. We think of perfect conditions. Well, how do those perfect conditions happen? It's a connection with God. And right here we see the divine exchange taking place where man gave up the connection with God to have a connection with the world. And the moment that happened, guess what? Now his his understanding of tangibility is in the flesh and is in the tangibility of the world versus the tangibility of the spirit. And man went so far so fast in this particular direction that he lost all sense of what? Of what was really real. Go with me over to John chapter 14. A couple more verses and we'll be done. But I want this to make sense to you this morning so that you can see that God really, really wants your life blessed. While you turn over to John chapter 14, I'll just make a couple observations. You know, Paul, when he was preaching, he started a church everywhere he landed and had an audience except in Athens. So what made the difference in Athens? Do you remember in Athens, there was, it's a big word, Oropagus, it was a big, huge amphitheater that they called the Oropagus. It's where all the Stoic Greek philosophers would meet to share their new philosophy and their new ideology. And people would come and sit and listen. And they had all these statues up. And Paul saw a statue, and it said, to the unknown God. Well, he said, "We're well, right there. He said, boy, I can jump on that right there, and I can use that to preach my message. And that's what he did. He said, you know, you got all these statues out there that you're, he said, but there's one that you don't know who he is. He said, well, that's the one actually who I know. He said, and in him we live and we move and we have our being. And it sounds so good, you know, we sing songs, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. But do you know that message was an utter failure? I said, that message was an utter failure. Out of all those thousands of people there, there were only a few people that actually were converted. You know what the rest of them said? We'll come back and hear you on this matter again. And guess what? Paul didn't establish a church there. Why? Because there was no miraculous. There was no heavenly tangibility. Nothing happened, in other words. And he sailed from Athens to Corinth. And over in 1 Corinthians, we have then the record in the second chapter of what Paul said and Paul's change of heart. He said, when I came to you, I came in fear and in trembling. I didn't bring the preaching of man's wisdom. But I came in a demonstration of God's power and His Holy Spirit, that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, Paul went right back to the heart of the real message. I came here to preach Jesus Christ, Him crucified, where the power of God is in manifestation, where people see that there is tangibility to another world, and God brings change to this physical world, and that right there is how you establish a church and how you you make a difference because in the last place he was at it was an utter failure and the only place he never established a church what's Paul trying to tell you he said the guy that actually saw me on the road to Damascus his name is Jesus no one else saw him but they heard his words I fell down like I was dead and I looked up and there I saw him and I said master and Jesus said why are you fighting against me Paul and he said master what would you have me to do And that's where his conversion took place. He saw Jesus, and Jesus talked to him, and Jesus shared with him not only the truth and revelation that we have in Paul's writings, but he also shared with him the kind of message that was necessary, that when you preach about Jesus and his precious shed blood, all of a sudden things change. Paul only had one bad sermon, and he chucked that sermon, and he never preached it again. Why? It didn't produce anything. What are we trying to tell you? Even Jesus himself understands that you need to give people a demonstration and let them see the power of God. I'm telling you right now, there's someone being healed in this room. Amen. Amen. Especially in the physical heart. Is there anyone here that's had a problem with your physical heart? Amen. I'm telling you, God is healing you right now. Anyone in this room? Don't wait till, you know, don't wait till an hour from now to say, you know, while, while we're walking out, Brother Jim, I wish you'd pray for me. I was the one that had the problem with that heart. Come on, say it right now. Well, I don't want people to see me. Well, they're going to see you. Big deal. They see you for a couple minutes being ministered to and then you have a perfect heart and you can live long. Or go ahead cuz you don't want to be seen and then you can you can do what the doctors are telling you and if they're not telling you they can help you then praise the Lord. Amen. What's wrong with your heart? You have a heart murmur. Okay, well, that'll work. Come on up here. But there's someone else besides just a murmur. Amen. Yes, sir. What's been going on? All right, well, that's the one I was wanting. Come on up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to thump you in the heart and either make it stop or make it work. <laughs> it gives you a choice, right? You know. So if you were planning on today being your last day to be alive, then 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 it'll stop. If you're planning on today to be the first day of many amazing days where you have no more problem with your, wow, I feel that presence coming on me right now. In the name of Jesus, I command that heart to be completely perfect in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And what you've been experiencing, brother, that'll be the end of it. Amen. And you won't even have to go to a doctor if you don't want to. If you want to go just to have him tell you, wow, there were some problems, but you seem to be doing perfect. All I know is Jesus just healed you. Now, as far as the murmur is concerned, put your own hand on your heart. In the name, thank you, Lord of Jesus. I give you praise. See, the Holy Ghost already knew you are going to be here. Already been warming you up. Amen. And I know if he warms you up, praise the Lord, we're all going to hear about it. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. So the presence of the Lord now comes upon you. Why? Because he wanted that murmur to stop and never happen again. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be confident. God just did something for you. It's awesome. Amen. Thank you for coming. Sir, praise the Lord. God touched you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So God might not be necessarily interested in the rest of my sermon because he wants to touch people right now. He does that to me a lot. I start to make these really nice prayers, and then he heals people before I can get it out. Kind of ticks me off a little bit, but... <laughs> but he obviously knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? I'll have this really nice... In the name of Jesus, and it already happens. Really? And all that shows me is he doesn't really need me that much, <laughs> which is awesome. This is awesome. People believe that's all he needs. Amen. Just someone to just trust him a, a little. Let me give you an idea what that means. Do you remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt? That last really bad, you know, thing that was going to happen, you know, to Pharaoh and all the land was What? There was a death angel going to come through the land and the firstborn was going to die if the, if the blood of a, of a perfect lamb was not sacrificed and the blood put over the doorpost and down the sides. Remember that? That's all they had to do. Over the doorpost, down the sides and they would be protected. Amen. Because the blood is the way of the Holy Spirit. In other words, that death angel would come by and if there was blood there, the Holy Ghost was in that home which meant there was what? There was, there was vacancy. See? someone was in there. It wasn't empty. But when someone didn't have that blood, that meant that death angel could come in. Now, House A and House B both put the blood over the doorpost. House A, they hadn't really paid attention to the sermons, you know, of the priest. They hadn't really paid attention to Moses. They kind of lived, you know, what you might just look at, maybe a little bit more of a a carnal life, you know. And so they didn't really understand, but they did what they were told to do, but they didn't really understand. And all night long, they were hearing the screams of people that didn't put the blood out there, and their their firstborns were dead. Daddy, what's going to happen? The firstborn said, honey, I don't know. Daddy, are you sure it's going to work? I don't know. I don't know. And there was fear. They looked at one another they weren't sure house B oh yeah man I mean they, they'd always get a badge for perfect attendance you know every every time the synagogue was open they knew all the scriptures and they were just dancing and praising God worshiping the Lord Woo! we've got this victory tonight hallelujah thank God we put the blood out there we've got this victory we got this victory let me ask you a question when that night was over and that morning came The firstborn sons in house A and house B, were they alive? They weren't, weren't they? Now, isn't it interesting that it looked different, but they were both alive? So in one sense, you could say the questions that house A had didn't hinder them from receiving their miracle because they did what? They had enough faith in the blood. Even though they didn't understand anything, they had enough faith in the blood That's all that was necessary, even though they had questions, to have their miracle. And House B looked so religious. And sure, they meant it. They were praising God. But the truth is, not any of their praise, not any of their worship, none of their scripture quoting, or dancing and praising God with a dance and running around the room, none of that made it happen. None of it. What made it happen for them was they had just as much faith as House A did, to put the blood over the, over the doorpost, down the sides. See, how much is God really asking of you? Not much. Well, what about the blood, some will say? If you trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ, Jesus put the blood over your doorpost and down the sides. His own blood, spotless blood. And if you can believe enough in that blood, that's what allows the Holy Spirit, who's been warming things up, to be able to do some things in your life today. Hallelujah. Internal organs. Who's having problems with your internal organs? I know that gives you a lot of room to say, which internal organ? Well, here's the beauty. If it's general, it means anybody's internal organ. All right, come on up here. A friend of yours. Someone else. Problem with internal organs. Could be the liver, could be the kidney. We already took care of the heart. Amen. Could be the pancreas, right? Could be the gallbladder. You can just have a seat right there in the front, sir. That one has your name on it. What's wrong with your friend? Okay, put your hands like this. It's only going to work if you call her and tell her we prayed for her. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we set her right with our words. And I command the life to make those ovaries perfect and she'll not lose another child in Jesus' name. Amen. What gives you the right to believe anything happened? Jesus said, light be. Where was the Holy Ghost? Warming it up, making it happen. And I was conscious right then, the moment I touched his hands, that if I'd say something like as though God would say it, The Holy Ghost would do it just like he did in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And for your body, it's time for you to be healed, isn't it? Amen. And if you heard a little bit of what we were sharing this morning, I think the Holy Ghost is ready to do something for you. God's presence. Amen. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Do you believe he shed his blood? That blood then and your belief in it, Is more than enough for God to touch you right here, right now. In the name of Jesus, I command this body and all the work of hell to come out of this body and to leave this man alone. And I demand of this body now to come alive and work in the life of the blood of Jesus to touch you, set you free in every way, shape, and form. Amen. Let it be so today. Everything changes in your body. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. All right? Put your, put your hands together like that. Amen. And I'm going to smack you in the liver for your friend. Amen. You tell him, I had to get, I had to, this guy had to hit me in order to get me well. Thank you very much. That's what you tell him. No, I won't hit you hard. Amen. But in the name of Jesus, I, I command right now the life to change this guy, set him free, and deliver him once and for all in Jesus' name. You tell him what God did for you today and let him know from this, from this day and this prayer things will change. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, ma'am. What about you? Yep. Yep. Okay. Give me your hands. In the wonderful name. Well, amen. That's it. This is one. The Lord didn't need me to say anything. Just be healed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. He didn't let me say anything to that lady. Praise the Lord. Organs? Liver? Amen. Give me your hands. In the name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only will the anointing of God increase upon you for the service of the Lord. Hallelujah. But the wonderful presence of God that's upon you now moves into that liver to set you free. Amen. It'll just get better and better and better and better. And all of a sudden, one day you'll realize, my God, I don't have an, an ounce of problem. Not an ounce. Haven't, and I never will. In Jesus' name. Yes, sir. Diabetes? Diabetes? Yeah. Amen. So has the pancreas been affected? I think it's from the liver. The liver? The liver? All right. Amen. Put your hands just like this in the name. Ye men lo Well, that's pretty much the end of that, brother. Amen. I'm yeah. telling you right there, Jesus just did something. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, ma'am. What about you? Diabetes. We don't want that anymore if it's a type 2, type 3, type 4. It don't matter. Jesus sets you. Well, that's it right there. And the name, I command that to come out of you and loose you. Loose you and set you free. The Lord loves you. And His love moves right into your internal organs to make them right where they were wrong. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Lift your hands for just a moment. Father, thank you so much. Did you have something else? Amen. Come on up. What's wrong with your brother? Nice yep we'll tell him we pray for him this morning yes. amen amen the shoulder will go back into play amen hallelujah lord i had a really good prayer for him and you just healed him anyhow amen thank you lord jesus hallelujah we take a little bit of that for you if you need anything extra hallelujah glory praise the lord oh you snuck up in here <laughs> It's wrong with your grandson. Uh, Type one diabetes. Yep. Amen. So, Lord, I give you praise that this young boy—he don't know the difference. So, we put a healing on him right now, and demand that his body literally change overnight in Jesus' name. Amen. What a joy it'll be to see it. Hallelujah. Father, in this place today, the things that you've said, I give you praise for it, Lord. It's truth that we need to hear. If there's anyone in this room present that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm praying for them right here and right now. Lord, even the demons believe in Jesus, but Lord, it does them no good because they've not made Him their Lord. So this morning, I pray for that one if there is one and more if there is more, that all religions, Will go out the window and someone would come to meet Jesus just as he is and it would be the new reality of their life with every head bowed, every eye closed if you're in this room here this morning you can put your hands down and you've never experienced Jesus Christ you don't know for certain that that you're going to heaven because you're not sure that you're born again and yet it's such a simple thing to open up your heart and believe in him and put your trust in him. What he did for you, all you do is just call out and say, I want that to be mine now, Lord. I accept you as my Lord, and I accept this wonderful gift. But if that's you this morning, you've never done that, would you raise your hand right now and give us an opportunity in this church and these pastors and these staff members the opportunity to serve you and to honor you. Would you lift up your hand and say, Brother Jim, I'd like to receive Jesus as my Savior this morning. I want to make sure before I leave this room that I know for sure my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to heaven when I die. I want to make sure that Jesus is my Lord. I don't want to live another day without His presence being the, being the one that I actually I give my heart and attention to. Is there anyone in this room? I would assume that everybody's born again. Praise the Lord. You can look up here. We actually have done really well. You can keep playing right there. I'm going to go ahead and read you this last scripture. Because it really does, from the mouth of Jesus himself, it really does show you what we're talking about. Starting in the 17th verse in the Amplified Version, it says, Jesus said, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive or welcome or take to its heart, because it does not see him, know him, or recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, forlorn, or helpless. I will come back to you just a little while now, and the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And at that time, when the day comes, you will know for yourselves. Folks, this is the New Testament. When you know for yourself, The Old Testament, you would know because the priest told you. You would know because the judge told you. You would know because the prophet told you. But Jesus said there's a different day coming where you'll all begin to experience God for yourself. And then you'll have your own relationship with him where he'll go with you wherever you go. You'll be able to confide in him and get answers from him just like you would if you had to go to the priest or the prophet. He said, you will know for yourselves that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me, and whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him. Notice what else it says. And I will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. And the last part I can never get away with, it says, I will let myself be clearly seen by him, and I will make myself real to him. Do you see what this whole Bible is about? It's not about the stories. It's not about the doctrine. It's about all of it helping you to find somebody that's so real that when you do, he'll make himself real to you. And you'll see him. You'll know him. You'll recognize him. And your faith in him will work just like it did from Jesus to God, the Father, now from you to Jesus. Come on, I want to encourage you. Let's take a step up today. There are so many experiences we're missing because we're not willing to step beyond ourselves. Well, most people don't because they don't know what they're stepping into. You know, my, my in-laws are dairy farmers, and you better really watch what you're stepping into. Huh? Huh? Because when you do, it's pretty well on you for a while. You know what I mean? You can try to get out of it, but it usually goes home with you. Huh? If we know the Holy Ghost is the person that's all the while preparing soil and ground for new experiences and new horizons, wonderful feelings of painless health in your body, blessing to your finances, why are we not stepping beyond ourselves more often to experience what you can only experience when you do. The old timers used to say it this way, and I'll stop with this. Real faith is where you put yourself on purpose in a position where you can't go back. Pseudo-faith is where you have a way out just in case God fails you. Folks, I want to push myself away from the dock far enough where if I got nervous, I, I, I couldn't get back. I'd actually have to just turn and face my fear and find out that Jesus was always there. Because when you experience him once, all that tells you is you can experience him now for the rest of your life. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. God doesn't have to come find you in the cool of the day because once Jesus comes into your heart, he's always there. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and let's just shout amen for a moment. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for doing what we can't do ourselves, for being so faithful that we can step out beyond our insecurities and we'll only find you. Not devastation, not more pain, not destruction, not death, but we find God. Amen. Pastor, if you'd come.
0: joining us online for this special presentation. We always want to encourage those of you who have a story to tell of how God is working in your life through this ministry to send us an email. Send it to amen at libertyofomaha.com. Let us know how God is working in your life. And if you want to partner with us financially, you can always go to libertyofomaha.com or our Liberty Church app and click the giving option to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and have an incredible week.